Welcome to The Gailey Show, where we celebrate LGBTQ culture and entertainment, both in Minnesota and beyond. I'm your host, J.P. Dervagosian. So our podcast, This Queer Book Saved My Life, was nominated for a 2024 GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Podcast. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to bring in our executive producer, Jim Pounds, to talk about not just our nomination, but the GLAAD Media Awards themselves. Well, joining me now is our executive producer of this show, The Gailey Show, and This Queer Book Saved My Life, Jim Pounds, GLAAD Media Award nominee, Jim Pounds. Hello. Hello, JP. How are you? I, even though it's been like a week or two, I still haven't quite processed that this is happening. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> I I know, right? But I mean, it's the GLAAD Media Awards. Like, this is like the biggest thing, right, for for our industry. And like the biggest queer award, I mean, recognizing LGBTQ media and fair representation and LGBTQ media. So the fact that we are... One of those nominees is just, I don't know what to say. It's interesting that you, that you mentioned that because I think you're right. The origin of this was not so much to recognize LGBT created content, but just to recognize if anybody yeah. managed to put anything in front of the public <laughs> that represented us in any way that was, you know, eligible for an award. I, I did go back and look just out of curiosity. I didn't look at the full list of winners that year, but Harvey Firestein won an award for torch song trilogy, just sort of oh, wow. it wasn't a category, you know, it was just sort of special that, award, you know, and I think a lot of times too, maybe uh, straight people were winning as a, as a way of saying, thank you as a way of saying, you know, we need more of that. Um, I think it's maybe evolved into something a little different now. I don't know, but, but its origin was just, thank the Lord, somebody is saying the word gay or something like that. And I'm sure the standards have changed, but it was, uh, there was something thrilling that there, that there was enough of that to actually give an award for it know, back right? in 1990. That's, uh, well, you were, yeah. So it started in 1989, but the awards were the first award ceremony was in 1990 for right. work that had been produced in 1989. Right. Right. And were you born in 1989 or what yes. was the, okay. Yes. Right. I, yes. The last of generation X. No. Um, so, well, this year I was looking up some of the uh, interesting stats about this year. So there are 310 nominees, uh, 280 in English, 30 Spanish language uh, nominees, and there are uh, 33 overall categories. 29 of them are in English and four are Spanish language. And also interesting to me, this is the second year that they've had the podcast category. So the first one was last year with 10 nominees, and then this year there are 10 nominees. So we're f one of the first 20 ever nominees for Outstanding Podcast at the GLAAD Media Awards. Doesn't that seem late? I feel like, really? Only two years? That seems... I feel like you can't throw a golf ball without hitting three gay LGBT podcasters. So... Well, you know, I think it takes a while for the, you know, I'm sure there's like a nominee, like internally, there must be a committee process or a nomination process right. to say we want to add a category. Right. And maybe this process started four or five years ago, and then they finally got to it last right. year. 
Uh, yes, but there are a number of excellent, and we've done crossover episodes with them on this queer book, Save My Life, of uh, great LGBTQ podcasts that I hope will be recognized by the GLAAD Media Awards because they're doing some really interesting work. I thought we would also talk about, so we submitted three episodes for the nomination. And the first one uh, was Valencia by Michelle T. And the guest was Leslie Vincent. Uh, for those who are listening on AM 950, we just uh, aired that episode prior to this now of The Gailey Show. And for folks who are listening to this, you know, a few days later, we'll include links in the show notes um, and on our website so that you can go in and listen to that episode. Uh, that was a really fun <laughs> conversation with Leslie Vincent. I think she's just, she's so great. She's a singer and a songwriter based in Minneapolis. And her story was just so delightful. You know, that idea of going to a bookstore and hoping that someone would hit on you. <laughs> and then it's not happening and you're just feeling so alone. And I think like every queer person has felt that of, you know, that, that space in between coming out and, you know, finding community. And so for her to find Valencia at this bookstore and how did she put it? That they were, these were her first queer friends was both heartbreaking. And then also I was like, yeah, no, I know. I know that that was, that was me. Well, and she's, I mean, she has the personality of a firecracker anyway. So I can just imagine her being, and I, I could sense it in the interview, sort of you know, tense about the idea of wanting to make something happen or I'm here, mm -hmm. you know, why isn't this happening? It's because she has that kind of this great, very alive, live wire personality. And I thought she and Michelle played off of each other so well. They, they seemed right. like contemporaries. I don't think they necessarily are, but they seemed very in tune and it, and it's always interesting both when guests and authors are very different and it's also really interesting when they're very similar and um, this they yeah. seemed similar to me i felt like it was two friends chatting about something as opposed to people that were you know somewhat distant from each other yeah well i mean michelle is amazing you know being a she has her own podcast your magic with michelle t and she's written so many other books uh before we hit time i did want to mention so the other two episodes that we submitted that helped earn us the nomination was the velvet rage uh and that our guest was uh, chris tompkins and what i loved about that episode was a how raw he was and how honest he was about his internalized like shame uh, and religious trauma right as well and i know that comes up a lot in my in my background but i think that that was really um that was a great conversation and then uh blind a memoir the author is bello miguel cipriani and the guest was david elijah Neymad. and that was also to have that conversation around disability and how that intersects with queerness i think was really important um for folks that are listening on the gaily show we got to get you back um to the episode uh but for we're going to talk a little bit longer this will be bonus content that you can listen to on our website or on youtube uh, just look for our channel uh the gaily show on youtube or on am950 Facebook page. Continuing on in the conversation, though, right here. Um, yeah, what did you think about those episodes? I thought those were really interesting episodes to listen to. I I was I just had this ache uh, during Chris's episode that I mm -hmm. just wanted Alan Downs to. Be, I know you did more than I did, but I really I wanted Alan to be there. 
And I, you know, there's nothing to be done about that when an author can't or won't or whatever, whatever the reason it doesn't matter. They're not there. And it, and it, yeah. gosh, the, the, I'll call it testimony, whatever the, the, each of our guests have such interesting and, and honest and sort of self-revealing stories that they put out there. And I, you know, knowing that Alan's alive or I hope he's well, hope it's all well. I just wish I kept feeling like, gosh, I wish he could be here yeah. to, to hear this conversation. Um, yeah. cause I agree with you. I thought Chris was, was great. And, uh, but you know, when it does happen, when there is an author, I, I think the guests understand how special that is and how not guaranteed it is. So when it happens, it's, uh, you, you've hit the, the lottery, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then that episode with, well, before we actually, before we, we leave that, that book, the velvet rage that we were talking about with Chris was so important for me as well. And I think there was this really interesting timing that while we were editing that episode, we were in Washington, D.C. for the Unstoppable Stories Literary Conference, right? And we were presenting there. And I think what was, that's where I found The Velvet Rage was at Kramer Books in DuPont Circle. And so I was right in the middle of editing this episode with Chris. And so it was really cool to be able to go back there. And we recorded some audio inside, which was kind of awkward to just be recording audio in the middle of a uh, store uh, like that. And because we didn't have permission, technically. Uh, I, I don't know waiting. if you need permission, though. It's a public. Is it a public space? I guess it's a private space, like a private I, business. But... I was waiting for somebody to tell us to leave. But that didn't happen. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> But that was also, I think, like a really neat, you know, full circle moment that we couldn't have planned. I didn't even realize it until we got there. And thank God I had a microphone. How many years ago was that? Do you know exactly or approximately? It was when I was working at St. Paul College. So that probably would have been 2014 or 2015. Yeah. Yeah. One of those, one of those years. And it was, it was, um, I mean, like I say in the episode, and, and we'll include links to it in the in the show notes and on our website. Of I, I feel like there's a before that book and there's an after that book for me in terms of like working with therapists and doing therapy. Like it's just a it gives you so much more clarity on the issues that, or at least I needed to work on, you know, and unpack and you know all of that like internalized shame and and, and rage. You know, he names it very well in the book. Alan does about this this rage that just sort of begins to, you know, I'm doing this right here, but I just I feel like it, it ends up being like a physical sharp object mm-hmm. in the middle of your chest, and unless you like deal with it, it just kind of sits there in this mm-hmm. this pain, right? That that doesn't go away. Bellow story. Wow. Uh, so the book was Blind, a memoir by Bello Miguel Cipriani. Um, this book was shocking to me when I read it because Bello is with friends. He's growing up with friends who are queer friends and he kind of comes out with them and they go to bars like gay bars together and they kind of drift apart for whatever reasons, um, you know, he's going to college, just lives are kind of like taking them in different directions. And then they randomly by chance, uh, run into each other and it doesn't go well and it gets into a fight and they attack him. And in the attack, they end up blinding him. And 
it was just so shocking, right, to read that. And then when David Elijah, he received the book as a, as he's a reporter and an arts reporter. So he received the book to review it. Uh, so when he was reading it and he knew he was going to get to interview Bello and to hear that story of how it just, you know, reached in and was telling him about this intersection of disability and queerness and how he was then able um, to kind of go forward and ex not explore, but kind of get diagnosed and then receive treatment for his own, um, his own disability was really, we hadn't had an episode like that, right? Looking at those intersections of, of, of queer identity and living with a disability and how Bello wrote that memoir in real time also was very interesting to me. Like he's writing the book as he's dealing with um, this injury, this attack, the lawsuit, you know, fully losing his sight. I, yeah, it was, it was a, a tough read and the fact that the subject material is tough, but I love the way that Bello wrote his memoir and how he, you know, how he comes out of it on the other side. And I, I don't know if I necessarily like those memoirs or those stories, like, you know, the super, you know, the super cripple stories, right? Where people with disabilities have to be superheroes and overcome and everything has to be amazing. This is what I learned. And I'm, I'm all the better for, you know, having this, this injury or this disability, which I think is, you know, bogus, but it's really interesting to me what he's able to kind of come through the the wisdom that he's able to glean out of that the processing that he demonstrates which was not easy right of how do you get to forgiveness i think was a really fascinating part of that but i'm kind of going on and on here what did you what did you think of that episode i feel like as you say it's an intense story and i worry sometimes that folks i don't know how people look at our list of episodes and go, I want to listen to that one, or I don't want to listen to that one. I don't know what that pro that shopping yeah. mentality is, but I do worry sometimes that people go blind. Oh, do you know? And I, and I try to say sometimes in social media, this is a really same thing with familial um, uh, homophobia. It on its surface, it sounds you know, dreadful and it, and it is, but yeah. all of these stories are how somebody dealt with what was dealt to them or what happened to them, what fate brought them. I don't know how you, how you think about that and that they are persevering in to the best of their ability or to the, mm -hmm. or to the, you know, exceeding their own expectations or whatever. Yeah. They're not all rocky stories. I don't mean that, but they are, they are incredibly human, and if you like humans and you learn from what other humans do, and I do, I find I learn something, whether they're like me or not, I, there's something about their humanity that informs me or educates me or betters me somehow. And I, I hope people, I want somebody to listen to every episode because I cannot think of one that you wouldn't get something out of. <laughs> you know, and maybe you would get a lot of things out of it. So I hope people will dig into the library because there's a lot of good stories there and people that you should want to know, I, th I think. And that was one of them where I think people might balk at the surface of it. But if you give it the 45 minutes, you'll be glad you did. Yeah. 
Well, those are the three episodes that earned us the Glad Media Award nomination. And, you know, yes, it feels very exciting to be recognized for like the craft of it and the way that we put the episodes together and the concept of the of the of the podcast overall and also specific to these episodes. But I what I really hope happens out of this is, I mean, yes, people are coming and listening to us and listening to our, you know, podcast, but I really hope that this lifts up these books and these stories and these authors because they really are saving lives. However, folks choose to interpret the word saved, you know, I know that can sound a little melodramatic, but they are. And well, I mean, particularly in a couple of cases, I mean, quite literally saved uh, a guest's life. But I think I really hope that what comes out of this as well is that people start reading these books and finding them and connecting with these authors. It's just, it's really important. And so I'm glad that Glad <laughs> did that for us, I guess. I think there are people who, who say, I don't read books or I don't. And I, you have to accept whatever somebody does. But I, I would encourage well, people to, I'm a slow reader, as you know. JP. And so I think some people think, oh gosh, that just seems like an enormous task. But personally, if you can read two books a year and I might read two or three, that's enough, you know, and mm -hmm. you'll get something out of that. It's like a little, it's like a candy dish that you go back to and have a little of and back and have a little of over time. And I would encourage more people to not give up on the idea of reading because I think it's uh, in the long run good for our society. So I, I don't give up on that idea that that's something you can do and you can do it at your own pace and you can do it, uh, you know, when you have the time and it's not a, it's not a task. I think people yeah. associate books with school, maybe, <laughs> or, you know, requirements or assignments or something. And, but it yeah. doesn't have to be that it can be enlightening uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And as for that, I pulled up some, uh, Interesting stats here from the from the GLAD Media Awards. So seven of the 10 documentaries uh, nominated for Outstanding Documentary feature trans and or non-binary people. Three of the nominees in the children's and kids and family programming, which is a huge space of contention, feature trans and or non-binary characters in them. They have uh, an outstanding video game category. I mean, to show you the depth and breadth of what GLAD uh, really dives into and wants to honor in terms of, you know, fair representation and accuracy of the community and, and being positive, right? Having, I don't want to say that, uh, rewarding people who do, you know, good work that represents the community. Um, so five of the 10 uh, games nominated were featuring also trans or non-binary characters. And I mean, it's just really, I think really, I'm just scrolling through here right I now. Think they One, do comic books don't they i feel like comic books is another yes. uh, c category i didn't expect that surprised me yeah they do journalism both like full-on publications and then like individual articles they do blogs obviously they do film and television you know and documentaries and those sort of larger mass media um categories as well but it's just it's really wild to see that i mean 310 <laughs> nominees 33 categories the sorry i'm pulling up here when are they so 
There are two ceremonies for the GLAAD Media Awards. And we're talking about this, yes, and it kind of maybe seems self-serving. But I think that also y'all need to check out the GLAAD Media Awards because there's a lot of great content that is nominated there. And you should support those, you know, LGBTQ creatives and those allies and accomplices that are creating this work as well. And so they divvy up the awards because there are so many categories and so many nominees into two different ceremonies. So the first one is going to be in Los Angeles, and that's going to be on March 14th. And then there is a second one that will be in New York City, and that will be on May 11th. And then last year, uh, and I don't know if this is the first year or not, but last year they did stream one of the ceremonies on Hulu. So folks will be able to actually watch the awards ceremony if that's something they like doing that. I know a lot of queers like watching awards shows. Uh, So um, we hope to be at one of them. Uh, We have yet to see which uh, which where our category would be at, whether it's in LA or if it's in New York, and then also like the logistics of all of that, you know, getting tickets and whatnot. So we hope, fingers crossed, to be there, but we'll see what happens. I have a feeling we're going to be at the third ceremony, which is in Glendive, Montana. That's what I'm expecting. Well, more obviously, more details to come. Uh, we may do some future uh, segments, kind of highlighting other categories with, that are nominated within the Glad Media Awards. Maybe those other unknown categories and kind of lift them up as well here on the Gailey Show. For right now, though, Jim, thank you for joining me for this conversation. Thanks, JP. Nice to see you. The Glad Media Awards will be streaming on Hulu later this spring. Obviously, we'll be letting you know more details as we know them. Okay, tickets are going fast for Magic and Mimosa's Disney's Drag Brunch at Roxy's Cabaret. It's Saturday, February 17th. I've never seen a Disney-themed drag brunch before. They are promising all the staples of an amazing drag brunch, delectable breakfast, and most importantly, bottomless mimosas. The drag queens will be performing as fan-favorite Disney characters. Plus, I'm told you're encouraged to come in your favorite Disney attire. For tickets and more, head to roxyscabaret.com. Speaking of tickets that are going fast, on February 23rd, Randy Rainbow for President, provided by Live Nation Presents, will be at the State Theater for one night only. We haven't seen many new satirical videos from Randy Rainbow as he's been on this sold-out campaign tour. If you haven't seen Randy's videos, he lampoons the Republican Party by rewriting the lyrics to your favorite musical hits in some brilliant takedowns. Tickets for Randy Rainbow for President available at HennepinTheaterTrust.org. On to TV, we have a few queer shows we want you to be on the watch out for. Premiering uh, this past week on FX was Feud, Capote versus the Swans. Ryan Murphy is behind this eight-episode series, which is based on Lawrence Lemur's bestseller Capote's Women, a true story of love and betrayal and a swan song for the era. The series is about Truman Capote, the literary maestro, who gets entangled with high society's creme de la creme, who he affectionately, nick- who he affectionately nicknames rather his swans, Capote ingratiates himself with them, becoming their confidant, and then for reasons unknown until we watch, he betrays them by publishing a fictionalized expose in a piece called Answered Prayers, which, you know, blows up his friendships with them and leads to some pretty epic spiraling. Only a gay man could have put together this cast, Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, Treat Williams, and Russell Tovey. I mean, come on. 
New episodes every Wednesday night on FX and then streaming the next day on Hulu. Also on Hulu is Chrissy and Dave Dine Out. Chrissy Teigen and David Chang and queer comedian Joel Kim Booster host random dinner parties around Los Angeles. I don't know why Jim Kim Joel Kim Booster's rather name isn't in the title, maybe because he's in most but not all of the episodes. For the premiere, however, Chrissy, David, and Joel are at Pizzeria Bianco, and the episode features the making of the perfect pizza with Chef Chris Bianco, along with special guests Jimmy Kimmel and Molly McNeary. I'm so-so on Chrissy Teigen, but I'm a big Joel Kim Booster fan. His film, his Emmy-nominated queer film, Fire Island, came out last year. He has a comedy special on Netflix, and now Chrissy, Dave, and Joel dine out on Hulu. Turning to books. I get a little suspicious of the most anticipated book lists because maybe I'm cynical, who's the decider, but I read them, so I guess who's winning. But one that caught my attention is Dead in Long Beach, California by Vanita Blackburn. Here's the premise. Our main character, Coral, finds herself in a harrowing situation when she stumbles upon her brother, Jay's lifeless body the aftermath of his tragic suicide. In Long Beach, California, all she discovers is a sparsely furnished bachelor pad and a cell phone with just a few contacts. Acting on impulse, Coral decides to keep the phone and unexpectedly starts replying to messages as if she were her deceased brother. I don't want to say much more than that, except to say this is by all accounts a very imaginative and yet grounded approach to processing grief as Coral's lies begin to tighten around her. Vanita is a Lambda Literary Award finalist for her story collection, How to Wrestle a Girl, and this is her debut novel. It is out now. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Our podcasts are executive produced by Jim Pounds, creative and accounting support provided by Gordy Erickson, production, distribution, and marketing support provided by Brett Johnson, Chad Larson, Laura Hedlund, and Jennifer Ogren from AM 950. You can find us on social media. Search for This Queer Book, Save My Life. Also check out AM 950's YouTube channel or Facebook page. As always, you can connect with us through our website, thisqueerbook.com. And until our next episode, see you queers and allies in the bookstores. Bookstores.